0: Welcome to another episode of the Beauty Podcast with Emma G.
1: In today's episode, I'm talking to Margaret Dabbs, dubbed the foot queen. She is the woman who pioneered the medical pedicure, that functional foot treatment that also left you with a glossy, gorgeous pedicure. It's fascinating to hear how she turned quite a, you know, standard, not very glamorous treatment into something really beautifying and now tends to the feet of the rich and famous all over the world, I might add. We talk about feet, you know, we get down into the nitty gritty and the down and dirty. We talk about the fact that she knew that she had a knack for doing something and how she turned a knack into a global business. We talk about marathons, we talk about high heels, should you be wearing them, should you not? And so many other things in between. All of the show notes will include the references from today. So if there's anything that uh, piques your interest, take a look at the show notes and the links will probably be in there. Don't forget that you can follow me um, on Twitter at Emma underscore beauty. You can email me at emmagunnawardner.com where you can also sign up for the show's newsletter. Enjoy the episode. See you soon. listeners to the Beauty Podcast with Emma G. Today I'm with a very special lady, the lovely Margaret Dabbs. Hello, thank Hi. you for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Well, she's invited me up to her rather lovely, we're, we're in a little bolt hole, aren't we? Yeah, it's it's really very gorgeous and sunny.
2: Marleybone. Yes. Marley Bain. yeah.
1: And we have Raffi, your dog. Yorkshire Terrier, yes. Under the Might table. me in the moment, yeah. So if you hear some barking, that's what it is. Um, Margaret has a range of foot care products mm-hmm. but is also known globally mm-hmm.
2: as what are you the podiatrist uh, the queen princess. of feet I think <laughs> is the one that comes to you so I have a range of beauty products and treatments for hands and feet yeah which is quite rare um, the first I think in the industry certainly the first um, expert-led mm. products for hands and feet which combine the luxury of beauty um with the power of treatment remedies yeah and I read this lovely little
1: quote when I was doing my research on you which was you just you realized you had a knack for hang on I wrote it down yeah it's true I Mm -hmm. found I had a knack for diagnosing and treating common foot complaints yeah what I find fascinating about you is you've turned knack into a yeah. global, pretty yeah. big yeah.
2: juggernaut of a business. Yeah.
1: So tell me how. It, it, how yeah. really that
2: Well, none of it was premeditated, actually, Emma. All of it has just sort of happened naturally. Um, I think that hands and feet have, for a long time, been the poor relative um, of the beauty industry, and people expect more from their treatments. Mm. You know, if you have a facial now, it's got to lift and pull and fill. Mm. It's got to do everything. Um, and really... F- facial care if or um skin care generally is a bit subjective do i look better do i not mm-hmm. actually foot care i found is completely different you can not only transform the way a foot looks but actually the way it feels as well so the results are pretty instant mm-hmm. so with the right treatment the right products it, it's you know it really is there's something extremely satisfying about being able to create the perfect treatment and to the extent that I have people saying to me that it's the best treatment they've ever had from any beauty treatments they've ever had and that's really saying something wow
1: isn't it? wow I mean I'm going to tell you a story that might make you be sick in your mouth a little bit but <laughs> I went for I'd not been working on magazines long and I was very kindly invited for a pedicure and I hadn't been for one ever mm-hmm. I don't think like you know I'd done my mm-hmm. own nonsense and my shoes didn't fit when I left Not one with with me.
2: No, no, not with us. No,
1: somewhere somewhere um, oh, because no. they had taken off so much my oh, skin how
2: no. gross I know it's awful it made me really think well it was probably because you were sitting up as well and your legs were raised a bit or something that yes. it probably added to it. I'm sure your feet weren't that gross
1: <laughs> my, my ballet slippers yeah. which I unwisely was uh, wearing very unwisely are you are you anti the ballet yeah, slippers yeah it's
2: not now they, they do better ballet shoes that have got a little bit of an insole and support mm. but for years especially it was terrible for pregnant women that all thought that actually this is great great, we can Mm. wear these shoes, but actually had no support at all. So people with weight gain Mm. um, through pregnancy found that they really suffered post-pregnancy because the arches had all been put under so much stress with the weight gain and then walking in footwear that wasn't supportive. So that's that's what I've seen. Interesting.
1: Mm. So tell me where it all started because I know that the term medical pedicure gets... Mm thrown around if you read Does if you do any branded, kind of yeah so what is the medical pedicure and was that the beginning well, of well yeah it
2: really was um as a foot expert or a foot specialist i was treating people patients in my consulting rooms in the harley street area and actually i was just leaving feet the way i wanted mine to, to be left or the way I wanted mine to look and so when I, I would treat an ailment somebody would come in and they would tell me what it was that was the problem and traditionally speaking podiatrists look after an ailment pedicurists beautify the feet and all I did was marry the two and it made mm. perfect sense to me I knew how I wanted my feet to look and I was just reproducing that in every pair of feet that came my way mm. and then people just started talking about it and so it was very much the medical pedicure
1: Wow. Mm. So when people would come to you, what kind of ailments and complaints
2: are we mm. talking? Well, anything at all. It could be an ailment or a complaint that is secondary skin disturbance. So it could be anything from corns, callus, cracks in the skin, or we could have medical conditions, you know, fungal conditions of the skin and nails, uh, verruca. It could be just be pain on walking, absolutely anything at all pertaining to the feet. Wow.
1: Mm. And so you, how did you identify this knack?
2: Do you know, I think I've got a really good work ethic. And as a person, um, I'm really impatient, massively impatient. But actually, give me a foot. And I just, I just, it's it's my sense of, oh, how would I put it really? I just, for me, a foot has to look perfect. And, and I just keep going until it is perfect. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm.
1: So I guess you must have people. How long have you been doing this? Just over 20 years. And you must have people whose feet you've been looking after for 20
2: years. I have. And do you know what's really lovely? I'm not in the clinic so much now. But what's really lovely is when I get messages that people have popped in to say say hello. Mm. And then, or if I see the diary and I can see names that have come up. Or if I am there and people come to me and they say, oh, do you remember when you saw me? And I've got a really good, I can remember a lot of things. And people are always really impressed that I can still remember them, which is great as well. So very lucky. We've got some brilliant, beautiful clients um, that go back many years. Wowzers! Um, and you, when did the products come into the mix? Well, I mixed products in my consulting rooms first of all. I sourced ingredients, um, just because, as I say, said earlier, that I felt that generally uh, treatment remedies didn't work. Were pretty awful to use, I should mm. say. Beauty products didn't really work, and people kept asking me what they could use. So I sourced ingredients, and I wanted ingredients that I knew were going to be performance led. So I needed ingredients that could be used for people that were high risk, uh, diabetics, people with new peripheral neuropathy. So I had to look at that in the dermatological aspects. Um, but also, I wanted to look at bones, joints, inflammation. And, and that's when I came across emu oil. Um, mixed it using Aquis cream as a base and the results were really outstanding people and people using it for their feed if they had arthritic conditions of their hands were reporting that actually even their hands their joints um the swellings and things had reduced so i knew i was on to a really great thing with a performance-led ingredient that was really making a difference so
1: where did you find that and how how did you identify the, its benefits
2: well great the internet actually Mm. um i heard about it and i really looked at australia um for ingredients because i knew at that time they were ahead of the game with sun care um products damage that the sun was causing Mm. and they were the first people really to identify the tea tree what have you and that's why i looked in that area and then when i came across Um, emu oil i saw that massive benefits that it had um, the fact that it's non-pore clogging that it has the same irritant value as water when it's applied to the skin for example so it can be used on all skin types that the the fact that it's for bone and joint inflammation but it's also a massive hydrator um, antifungal antibacterial so the the benefits of it are enormous and Mm. it just made sense to me that that should be my base yeah albeit that it was a super ingredient it made it an expensive ingredient um but i knew that it was going to be performance led so for me it was all about it was all about giving back and yeah. getting results from the products
1: and is that is that what is in your incredible foot
2: hygiene cream yeah <laughs> and benzoic and salicylic acid yeah i know the reviews on that product i always say if somebody says to me nothing i've tried everything nothing will work i said i would almost give it for mm. free for them to take this and try it it's the amount of people that tell me that they scoop out they they, they rave about the product and they scoop some out to give a friend just to prove the point I've done that with my mum and dad oh did you yeah <laughs> got little pots yeah. and I gave them some of mine yeah isn't that funny it's a brilliant brilliant product it um my favorite product though, has got to be the first one I formulated which was the intensive hydrating foot lotion mm. which I absolutely love and um, because it, it hydrates it's silky it's smooth it, it's just really delightful to use and it's great once you've got rid of the problems using mm-hmm. the hygiene cream you then revert to that it's brilliant
1: um do, do they have do you have an emotional connection to your product so you just yeah. talked about the first one is part of yeah. it because it is your baby in a way
2: i do actually every time somebody says to me tells me that they love the products and they say, oh, this was brilliant or that was wonderful. Do you know, it's like the first time. I just love Mm. hearing it. And so I can't be more thankful. You know, if I go into a clinic, we've just opened a new clinic in Cheltenham and I go in and the first thing I do is thank people for being there because I really mean it. I really, I just think, oh, this is wonderful. And yeah, so there is an emotional attachment to, you know, it's my name above the door, I suppose, and on the packaging. So yeah, it definitely means a lot to me um, that I have the you know, that I'm able to, I feel, help people, I have the compassion, yeah. I really feel it um, for for the feet, and, you know, I mean what I say and what yeah. I do.
1: Yeah, mm. completely, and that's another really interesting thing I wanted to ask you about, is having a brand with your name on it, because yeah. I think I told you just before we I started recording, James Reed has been a guest, he's done it too, mm. and so, and it, I wonder whether that carried more pressure. I mean, it seemed yeah, like a good idea right. at the time, but did
2: you ever yeah. think, well, I wish i called yeah. it the foot clinic To be brand. honest, yeah, to be honest, it didn't, uh, I didn't even, uh, it was just something that I felt it had to be, mm. but it wasn't something, even now, I, I kind of cringe, I think, oh, if I see that name again. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't like, I don't particularly, um, I had a really funny story, actually, I was travelling for the first time to the US on business, and I had somebody travelling with me, and it was the funniest thing because the estuart came up to me and said to me, are you Margaret Dabbs? Are you the Margaret Dabbs? And, and the person I was travelling was, again, for business, was like, oh, you set that up, didn't you? But it was great and <laughs> it did make me laugh. But no, I didn't intend having my name on it. It isn't about my name or thinking I'm amazing. It's really, it's about the products, the treatments and the performance of mm-hmm. them. For me, is the m- most important thing.
1: Um, What were you doing when it all started? Were you working in a clinic that belonged to someone else? Were you doing private appointments?
2: I was doing, I was working with um, some surgeons actually when I decided I wanted to to do podiatry. Um, Got myself qualified and I set up my own private practice quite quickly Mm. and it was really, while still doing kind of, Uh, operating theatre I was doing bits and pieces like that Why I said bits and pieces I was working uh, with a surgeon and everything that involved that was involved in running a busy practice Mm. and as I said I just found I had a knack for doing treatments really well um and yeah and and that's how it happened I literally I set up my own practice very quickly and you know it was just odd treatments I thought I was doing and before I knew it it you know it just spiraled which was great
1: Well, speaking to a lot of people who started their own businesses, particularly businesses that they then put their name on, um, that then go on to do really successfully, um, it does seem to be that the passion at the core of it is what actually helps it go on to become something that is successful in reputation and then financially. So was there any, I mean, we spoke yesterday on the phone and you said it's all kind of happened by instinct and quite naturally. Yeah, very. Very. When did you realise it was really building speed?
2: I remember going on holiday a few years ago and when I got back, I remember thinking that I was on a treadmill, I wasn't going to be able to get off and that was quite scary. Mm. It was this few messages that I got when I got back and people wanted to me. That was quite scary, but actually... Um, I suppose I must be a bit of a perfectionist about feet, mm. um, which has made it. like this. And I've always had a great work ethic. And I can remember when I was a little girl, my father always used to say to me, "You, to me, you, to me, you must, you must, must learn and to relax." Unfortunately, I never did. Mm. Uh, fighting, distorting things, you know, you just keep powering along. And, and he was right, I never did. And it's only my friend, I was out with my friend the other day, and she said, my mother worries for you. And I said, why? She said, because you don't stop. And, of course, I don't see myself as not stopping. Yeah, I see myself just you're being a normal person. Built, yeah. yeah, being just a normal person. But she says, oh, gosh, you know. So, um yeah, none of it was... Premeditated, all of it has come. It just seems like the natural thing to do and the natural progression. Mm.
1: And you funded everything yourself,
2: indeed. You haven't got investors or. I I, I hear people all the time, people say to me, I've got a great idea, I'm just looking for an investor. And I think, well, do you know if you've got a great idea, if you don't believe in it enough Mm. to do what you need to do to get it off, can it really be? I mean, it's not for everyone, obviously, Mm. but I you know and it was scary i had two young children and i you know and i i put everything behind it because i believed in what i was doing having said that i really don't think that you can as a person i Mm. couldn't go and say things and do things without believing in what i'm doing Mm. so putting me on in the spot and asking me about something if i didn't believe in it i couldn't in a million years be as passionate or say the things that Mm. i'm saying
1: and i've read as well that when people have tried to sort of Put, they've sort of written out entrepreneur and tried to pin it to you mm-hmm. you sort of shrug it off a little I bit it's don't. not really something you're totally comfortable no.
2: with no that's right. i don't see it. i just see it as a natural progression but i also do know that i see opportunity mm. with everything and if people ask me anything i can see opportunity in it i say, why don't you do it like this or why don't you do that or you know and i do and i suppose i've got that vision mm. which is probably why i am where i am
1: yeah the fast pace always looking forward mm. um have have there been challenges yeah, have you ever thought do you know what oh, i might have my ambition might be writing checks that my body can't cash yeah. and how do you, oh, well, how do you come um, overcome those stumbling
2: blocks yeah. lots of um, lots of concerns and worries along the way i don't think it's easy for a woman in business especially if she's employing lots of women and uh, somebody said to me recently it was a man said to me recently Women don't like taking instructions from other women. I hadn't thought about that. Mm. But actually, you put a man at the top of a business, and he gives direction. Women take it, so it's quite a difficult one. And I'm non-confrontational. That's my, mm. uh, which doesn't always go in my favour. And and I think my passion can sometimes be misinterpreted for barking directions, almost. You know, mm. it, and it isn't like that at all. And um, so I think staffing and people and um, i think that could be one of the things but also i was ahead of my time with foot care mm. people weren't ready for foot care so to say that we've put foot care in the mark in the you know in the beauty in the beauty market if you like is true isn't mm. it because people weren't ready people thought oh, what's my feet you know i don't care yeah. about my feet but actually people now do people only used to see a hygienist for their teeth or, or a dentist i should say Um, when the teeth hurt now we see a hygienist twice a year as a preventive measure and the feet have gone that way Mm. people never used to have a preventive massage every month Mm. or a facial and now they do and the feet when you think there's 26 bones in the feet um or in each foot i should say and that foot has to carry you and all the beauty products and treatments in the world won't help your face if your feet hurt Mm. i think people are realizing the body as a whole Mm. taking the whole body and so that includes the feet
1: well the thing about the feet as well which is fascinating is that a lot of things refer up from the feet so you might have mm. a niggle in the feet but actually yeah. it manifests in the lower back that's or right
2: the knee, the knee the hip that's right yeah exactly and I think that there are the trials of running a set you know not only have I made a brand if you like created a brand but also beyond creating a brand I put foot care into the beauty arena um and also the other thing is that you know I've had to fund something before people have been ready for Mm. it and I've had to drive something before people have been ready for it and you know there were really difficult times there were times the amount of times when I thought when I go to bed tonight if only I could find you know a large sum of money in my in my bank tomorrow Mm. and all of this will be it will all be all right you know there were times you know with a family to fund and everything. It was, you know, there were mm. tough times and actually the best thing ever is getting a brand to the point of um being self or profitable I should mm. say, even if you're just breaking even to do that yourself before you think of anyone funding it is actually the best lesson because you know that your business model works yeah and the amount of people that I see that are running a business they get an investor perhaps before the business is profitable and they haven't you, you don't learn to run it and do your housekeeping. Mm. It's like you know using all your credit cards before you can pay them. And so that was a really, really big lesson.
1: That's really interesting. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. yeah,
2: no, it really is. And it's scary. It's really scary running a uh a, a business, getting it off the ground. There's only me to fund it, only me to, to bail us all out. So at the end of the day it had to work. I wasn't I'm much more Business orientated, business minded now than I was. I mean, really, they must. Have, people must have seen me coming. I was like a housewife <laughs> that was running a business, and you know, my first product order was twenty two thousand units. Oh, we can't. You know, my manufacturer, oh, we can't do less than that. And of course, I know damn well now they can do less than mm-hmm. that. But of course, you believe them at first. I'm sure they thought they'd never hear from me again. Um, but more we'll fool them, really. that so, so you know, you put in an order for twenty two thousand. My very first. Someone said to me, "What are you going to do if they don't sell?" And I said, well, I knew I had my clinic. I said, they will sell. I believed in them. and said, they will sell.
1: Crikey. I know, scary. Did you keep
2: them? (laughs) Well, you know, there's a funny story about that. I had a warehouse to use, but I asked if 500 units from each of the five different, what we call SKUs, five different Mm. products, could be sent to me to my office it was the funniest thing and they phoned me they said yeah that's fine could you just confirm you've got a forklift truck there <laughs> and of course i had no realization of what 500 units times five units you know mm. looked like i had no idea and i still laugh because in a million years i couldn't have taken anything like that oh, and, and you know just you know getting it off you can just imagine can't you in harley street area a lorry pulls up and delivers this onto the yeah. pavement so it was really funny so all of that massive learning curve yeah mm.
1: and you had you were. Dabbling in the beauty world in the sense of you were taking something that was quite yeah. functional and then making Absolutely. it beautifying. Yeah. Do you remember, because as we know with brands or um an expert, it can take one quote in one magazine and all of a sudden the phone is ringing and mm. people suddenly embrace this mm. new trend, which is now obviously mm. much bigger than a trend. But do you remember a piece of editorial that was a bit of a game changer mm. for you?
2: Actually, there were a couple of things. Um, there was a lovely quote in Vogue. Um, which elevates you to a different... It, mm. it doesn't necessarily bring in the, the pounds and pence, but it really elevates you. But it was You magazine. There was an article that, which was really beautifully written by a lady who went on to work at Vogue, actually. And it was a beauty column. Now, which column was American Lady used to do a column? And actually, it was really beautifully written. And that was really... Was, was really. It Normandy Keith column? Yes, it was Normandy Keith. Right at the it's end Kelly of her Gilbert. doing it, and it was Kelly, yeah, mm. Kelly Goodford, yeah, and yeah, and I still see Kelly now. So it was really a, an intro because it was right at the end of when they were doing those, and it and it really was a. Ma- I don't know something there. Kelly's a brilliant mm. writer anyway, oh, but yeah. she really got it, and it was. Tra- and I knew after the interview, you know, when you just know yeah. that you get. And and she really she really did get it, and she put it down on paper really well, and that would that I felt things changed a lot from there as well
1: when you say she really got it was there anything that you read and you were like yeah i know that she really was Mm. on the same i just
2: knew at doing the interview that she got it i knew that a lot of people would be i'm covering this because i've been told to i'm not interested in feet Mm. but she just got it yeah she just she got why i was doing it she got the need to look after your feet she got the need to, to put them into the beauty arena and if you look now at the amount of footwear and the shoes that are available even you know when 20 years ago there was one pair of fashionable shoes one style of fashionable shoes per season Mm. and what do we have now 12 different styles that you could wear you can have wedges you can have flats you can have spiky heels Mm. you can have you can have um thick heels you know when you think now of the amount of different footwear that's that's trendy Mm. all year round and the people the way they're showing off their feet and even sandals being worn all year round as well
1: oh completely Mm. open toe shoes
2: yeah exactly um and how, let's just talk about shoes for a second. How do you feel about shoes? Do you know I love sandals. Sandals are my season. I love shoes that I can move quickly in because I'm always rushing around.
1: Am I going to wreck my feet if I wear a four-inch heel?
2: I would say you're going to more likely wreck the shoes if you walk in them a lot. I always say don't wear them for long distance, you know, for walking because you will ruin them. Um, Pain is the biggest indicator. If mm-hmm. something's painful, listen listen to it. You wouldn't do it to the rest of your body. Yeah. It, it, It's baffling, isn't it, that somebody will be wincing in pain and wearing that those mm-hmm. shoes and you wouldn't do it to any other part of your body. Um, so pain's the biggest thing. And I say vary the heel height, the design. Um, yeah. That's the best advice I can give.
1: Okay, so they're not off the off the table, which is
2: no. You're not great. going to listen. If I say don't wear them, you're not going to listen I've got anyway. Got
1: to that age, they were <laughs> very happy with a modest yeah. heel. Yeah, that's load bearing. Yeah. you know, that's quite. But it's a great
2: way to do it and vary it. And then if you are walking long distances, um, it's why the kind of ankle boot, the the winter ankle boots are great, aren't they? Thick yeah, heel. Yeah. We just run around in the jeans and and wearing those. So I love to be able to move quickly in my yeah, footwear.
1: Yeah, well, it's like um, Margaret and I have done um. QVC together, yeah. and there's a very short walk from the green room to the studio. Yeah. But it's where when I wear my most prestigious heels, <laughs> and I will I will walk barefoot down to the studio yeah. and put them on when I get yeah. there because I just look I feel yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Whereas you know in my twenties I'd run all over London in you know all these ridiculous
2: maybe more self-conscious but i think heels can make us look they make us feel better and as females Mm. you know we get we're more confident wearing them they you know they lengthen legs and make us feel so much better Mm. so you know there's very much a plus they they also help maintain the arches of the feet however you know it there's you know they shouldn't be worn for long distance walking let's say yeah
1: no of course um also celebrity clients Mm.
2: um
1: that must have been another game changer of you have your clinic Mm. and then there's a buzz about you in magazines but then also there are celebrities Mm. who are doing interviews and they're saying oh this is who Mm. I see and I'm taking myself care of myself in this way do you remember that happening as a snowball
2: Mm. effect I do but as a brand we never ever talk about it Mm. um I suppose because we're brought up with that medical yeah. The medical ethics of you don't discuss your clients, so we we never have this scene obviously all the time, mm. and it doesn't mean that there's. I think the thing to understand is that you know you don't have a massage just because you've got a backache. Mm. You don't have facial because you've got bad skin. You know, you do it as a maintenance thing. Mm. I think that people are just getting a head ran. You don't see, you know, have a medical pedicure because you've got something wrong with your feet. Mm. And I think it just, it, I just think it screams, you know, I look after my feet, not that I've got problems with my feet. Yeah. And I think people are only just getting that. Yeah. So we've never talked about it, but it is talked about a lot. Mm. It is, apparently we're, the products are all over the new Bridget Jones movie. Oh, really? It, yeah, which is great. We had this email saying, you know, we've left nobody, everybody, no doubt at all that Bridget Jones is a true Margaret Debsville which is brilliant, brilliant as well yeah which is fun isn't it so we'll, we'll see if that is the case um but that's what we've been told we had an email from them saying that um yeah lots of celebrities lots of people that come in anything from you know footballers politicians pop stars um, really well known american actresses in london at the moment and i got an email the other saturday from Saturday for last, from my spa manager saying, look who's in our clinic, with a photograph, look who's in our clinic, So, which was really nice. Do you find
1: it really thrilling?
2: Yeah, I love it. (laughs) Of course I do. I just love it that they know who we are. And, you know, when people really, you know, well-known people say to me, oh, my God, I love your stuff. I just think, well, that's really great. I'm really pleased. However, I would say the main... Uh, our main clients are people that work really hard, got good businesses. They're time mm. poor, and for me, that's a really valuable client. Mm. They know where they're going, they're focused on what they're doing, and and you know they give they they're the ones that really give the credibility to the brand as well.
1: Yeah. Do you what do you if I come in if I were to come in for a treatment mm. what would I expect? How well, would it go?
2: Every treatment really is bespoke, and although we follow the protocols for the medical pedicure, the protocols that I put together at the very beginning, and. Mm. Um, we're then podiatrists so we're there to diagnose and treat so we know that you need your feet to look beautiful at the end of it but we also know that we want to treat and advise you and preventive measures as well mm. so everything is bespoke but you do get left with feet uh, the, the common thing that you hear, I feel like i'm walking on air yeah. that's the thing that you always we're always told
1: interesting mm. um i learnt something during our we did the lunchtime show together mm. on the panel and Um, someone asked a question and it's probably one of the greatest bits of beauty advice I've heard in the last 10 years because I would never have thought about it and the way you explained it just made perfect sense so I'm sure our listeners like me every now and again they'll get like a slightly hot feeling in their foot or an itchy feeling and they'll think oh I've got to do my hard skin sorry Mm. but that you know the reality Mm -hmm. is that that's what it is Mm. And I only get it on one foot, weirdly, mm. and then that cracks. But that's mm. another conversation. Um, so I will go to work yeah. at it, and just before bed, yeah. get the dust buster out, yeah. and, and then go go to sleep. And you said you wouldn't exfoliate your face and not moisturise it afterwards. No, absolutely, and I wouldn't.
2: Yeah. No, oh, absolutely. Do you know what? Also, I'm, I'm sure you'll find this riveting as well. <laughs> well, I, I expect everyone else to feel to find riveting about feet. What I do, but anyway, just to say that the feet go through the ageing process exactly the same as the face. Mm. Now, so you you lose subcutaneous fat, which is when you hear people say, it "Feels like I'm walking on stones." The skin thins, mm-hmm. um, the sweat glands reduce in effectiveness. All of those things happen to your feet. And when people say to me, "My feet didn't used to look like this," you're going to say that I have this on my foot your feet didn't they didn't Mm. it goes they go through the aging process now we don't ignore the aging process in any other part of our body and so what is it that makes people think they should if something goes wrong with our eyes and and an optician told me that actually it's about the mid-40s is when if you start getting problems with your eyes apparently it's an age thing Mm. mid-40s is when your eyesight deteriorates um you go to the optician you get glasses contact lenses whatever you do um what is it with feet you know gait related changes um biomechanical issues with the way you're standing walking um and people think that they don't need to do anything with it or they don't they think oh that's a con you know (laughs) i don't need orthotics in my shoes but actually it's a full body because if you're walking and your skeletal structures are not being relayed properly mm. it's going to cause all sorts of issues um knees hips back as you said earlier mm. so all of that is related so it's all about body health mm. i thought um a an osteopath told
1: me last year something really interesting um that i'd never even considered which is that humans are the only animal born without a motor program and that's why everybody walks differently. And that's why everybody has um, their own issues with gait or yeah. feet or have yeah, all these yeah. sort of and alignment issues. Yeah. Um, whereas obviously animals it's just get up and they start walking. Yeah. Um, and that relates a little bit to the fact that I believe you've run the London Marathon, yeah, which we've just talked time, yeah. about, yeah, yeah. have you? Mm. And we'll talk about your running mm. in a bit. But um, if I am a runner and I'm listening to this and I get problems with my mm. feet, or Mm. my knees or anything Mm. is getting my feet checked out a really good option absolutely
2: yeah yeah and it's all about the footwear and also the other thing is if you're training for a marathon buy two pairs of trainers because there's nothing worse than training in for a marathon in the trainers you've got and you find that they're worn out as it approaches marathon Mm. day and you've got to break in a new pair so I always if I'm doing lots of mileage I run in I have two pairs that you can keep going in and out of because then they last twice as long Mm. and you don't have the issues um, that you would have if you've got to start a new pair of trainers right with race day approaching how long have you been running i think i've all, i have always run i can remember being um i went to an all-girls school and i can remember um why we would do this but i suppose it explains a lot at age kind of 14 at lunchtime we used to you know do a 1500 meters and run around the the race the Mm. running track at school and things like that obviously not all the girls did that Mm. but whoever it was that I was friends with we used to regularly Mm -hmm. do do things like that so I've always been a runner just to burn off some energy or you just Uh, I think so also my two some my my older sister and my brother were both um sprinters really good sprinters and I just found that I fell into long distance running. They're mm. much taller than me. I was the small one in the family. but I just got into long distance running and so did it all through my school years. And then it's interesting because you, you know that time during those school years, those young years, you don't realise how much impact they have in your later life. Mm. So yeah, that's where it comes from.
1: And do you have to run every day?
2: No, I don't run. I wish I did. Now I'm I'm finding it difficult to get, but I think I've had my share of marathons. And last marathon I did, you would laugh. I'm not. I can't believe I'm going to share this one. <laughs> it's called the Marathon de Medoc, and it's around the vineyards in France. <gasps> and you drink red wine for 26 miles. What? Yes, you do. But you do it in such a way. It was the funniest thing. only 8,000 runners, so you need to get a move on, because otherwise you'll be last. And I did it with
0: I bet uh, you're group, say, four oh, girlfriends. you going
2: to you not get a wine at every market. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you did it with four girlfriends. It, I did it with four girlfriends, and who I'd also climbed Mount Kilimanjaro with, so we'd set ourselves a target of doing a different... Wow. different challenge each year (laughs) and it's the funniest thing because actually what you do you just gargle a little bit and then you know drink a little bit and then you move on and I and funnily enough I just saw caught a few minutes of Eddie Izzard that's exactly what he did to get through his marathons he was having a drop of red wine and yeah because it gives you that bit of energy um, so you've got some car Yeah, there's... And people were showing... The night before, because I was saying, no way, I'm not going to drink, I'm just going to run. Yeah. And actually, halfway through the race, I didn't, I didn't drink for kind of the first 13 miles. And then I realised the road was getting blocked, people were stopping having a drink. And, you know, I knew I wasn't, you know, mm. it was like... If you can't beat them, join them. You know, I knew I wasn't going to get a personal best on the run. So it was also like 30 degrees. And so I just decided, you know, everyone else was doing it. So why not? So it was quite funny. Great experience. Really
0: great experience. But, you know. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online.
2: You're completely sober when you finished,
0: and you don't have a, hi- a like a dehydration hangover or
1: anything.
2: like No, that. because it's a red wine, something, and also it got you to taste like the Chateau Latour, Rothschild, all these wines that you can't really appreciate, but yeah. you did have to when it was in a glass, and it was at the good vineyards. You would have to stop and savor it. Right. The rubbish ones were in—I say rubbish—dare I say that the not so good ones were in plastic cups. But the funny thing is, you, <laughs> you would run as you're doing it, and so I ended up with these <laughs> big marks. <laughs> thought, like, this so, is really yeah. true. We just look so funny all of us had these big stains of red wine around the side of our mouths where we were trying to drink while we were running <laughs> so it's like
1: the most ridiculous so, walk of shame so that was the the
2: la- <laughs> yeah so that was the last marathon as you understandably the last marathon which i did train for but it was just you know an hour and a half on my pv it wasn't a good one but it was great fun really good fun wow. and it's so it's so quite an experience and have you done the london marathon yeah a couple of times yeah what um
1: what made you sign up for the first one
2: do you know when i was a little girl I remember saying to my father, the first London Marathon was run, I remember saying to my father, you know, Daddy, one day I'm going to do that. And it's funny because there was never any point that I wasn't going to. It was just a matter of, I never even focused on it. It was one of those things that I love watching it if it was on TV and still do. Um, But never ever focus again. It was just sat there in my mind and then that was it.
1: What was it like crossing the the finish
2: line? Well, do you know what's funny? The amount of people that said to me, did you finish? It wouldn't have occurred to me for one second to run the London Marathon, a marathon or a race of any sort and not finish. wouldn't even have, not even for a second... Not for a second, but I'm also I'm I'm dreadful because I'm, you know I'm like one of these people. I love working in a timed environment. Get it done, get it done. Yeah. And I'm like that with the you know the marathon, like right? wow, and, you know all the time fighting to get my best time on my. It's just the way I'm made.
1: Do you find
2: uh, running meditative? <sighs> I do I think it's a great I really do I think I think for girls especially because even growing up you know the best thing a girl can do they've got tummy cramps and all this I think the best thing you can do is a decent workout mm. and I think that with business with so many stresses it's the one thing and and the difficulty is you can never find time for it because you're so busy but actually it's the thing that makes you feel better than anything mm. else.
1: Amy Regan who's the CEO of SkinFix uh, was on this podcast recently and she has to do a morning run and she says if she doesn't get it in someone within her company will call her out on it and say you haven't exercised this morning have you oh and it's they can tell really obvious mm-hmm. and it's it's very interesting it seems to be a common theme especially you move quite quickly you're mm. dynamic yes there obviously has to be some sort of outlet and do you find that you'll do your run and then immediately come home and do a to-do list or Mm. you would have
2: thought of something and it would have Mm. clarified yeah i think so but also my problem is that i think a lot at night so you think you're sleeping and you're not really Mm. and you go to bed you've had a few days of thinking about you need a solution to something and in the night you you wake up in the morning you realize you've solved the problem but it's tiring Mm. that's the only thing that that's a little bit um but it works because for me, I just sit something in my mind. I don't ponder on it. I don't worry about it. It's But it's there. And I know that I'll find a suit. It just comes.
1: So at night when mm. you... You'll...
2: When I'm sleeping. Yeah. It's when I find my...
1: That's so interesting. Yeah.
2: Have true. you not heard that before?
1: No, but mm. true story. I had um, a few years ago, I was interviewing Cheryl Cole for the magazine I was working on at the time and they wanted a different type of interview and I couldn't think, I couldn't I just kept, kept having a block and I was like how can I make it different and I dreamt the answer
2: oh yeah that's the same exactly the same <laughs> that's yeah yeah it is yeah it's but it's it's a good feeling that you've solved it overnight you've solved it mm. but I think it's probably more tiring than we realise yeah because you're not really sleep, you're going through things, which is why um, either I like to get things done if I've thought of it before I go to bed, or I write it down so I don't mm-hmm. forget it. So I know it, at least I can clear it. And someone said to me that they have this thing whereby they clear their thoughts onto a piece of paper. Uh, it's probably a good idea. I'm not as clever at doing that. I can't do really do that, but um, it's you can see where they're coming from. Yeah. Clear the thoughts so that you can get a restful night.
1: It's the same as doing a to do list at the beginning of the day, isn't it? Oh, like...
2: I live by my to do list.
1: <laughs> do you? Yeah,
2: I think that's so important.
1: So important. Mm. When do you write yours?
2: Mine's ongoing. It's almost like a, a relay that I pick it up and push it along, and then take the next <laughs> bit and the next bit. Yeah.
1: Is yours it's... digital or written?
2: Uh, both. I do, do for for emails i make sure that they're highlighted and Mm -hmm. what have you and i always put a day if it's you know i put a date in so that it's always in red um and needs doing um and but i do a written as well i look i live you can see my books here i live by my Mm. my books my diaries
1: Leather bound books, there's not, and no, none of my friends don't have a handbag yeah, full of books. leather note pads. Uh, the worst
2: thing is the other night I was meeting my friend and I couldn't see her where I was going, I couldn't see her, so I went to phone her as I walked into this place. <laughs> And I realised I had my calculator to my ear instead of my phone, <laughs> and so I must be one of the few females that has a calculator in their handbag, which is quite funny. Mm. Why do you have a calculator? Because well, there's always a business opportunity. There's always something going on that you have got to use a calculator for. Ah. Always, always.
1: Isn't that interesting? Mm. To take a. So this probably it. you see. Oh maybe. yeah, you do have a calculator, mm-hmm. right? By you. Yeah. Um, Margaret Dabs the brand is doing mm. great guns. It's all mm. over the place. And I'm very happy that you did a supersize on QVC.
2: <laughs> Thank you. We've foot got foot another one group. in May. We've got um, supersize of the month in May, of the again, foot hygiene because okay. it's
1: you know, oh, I'll be on Q cut.
2: Yeah, it's under yeah, and and the reviews are superb, um, and so yes,
1: that has I've told, as I've said I've got a <laughs> I've got a flipper on my left leg apparently I'm heavy I plod on my left foot it gets mm. very hard skin mm. and that is mm. a game changer so thank mm. you very much oh. from the
2: bottom of i'm my, glad thank my, you uh, <laughs>
1: um where as the, the business grows is there any
2: kind of um do you have lots of goals that you set for the future mm. do you know i don't preset them no but i think the, the brand is going really well we are we have inquiries and approaches from all over the world both for retail and mm. for clinics um and i suppose my ambition is really that everybody around the world knows the product uses the products Mm. for their hands and feet you know we've launched hands now and again if you sit back and think i think if people are going to use a hand cream make it work make it work make Mm. it be a hand cream that's going to make a difference Uh, so again i've got the emu oil in there and again it's you know if you think about it how many expert-led hand creams are there Mm. so you know you'd use a serum on your face it's the quickest way to get moisture in why wouldn't you do it it's interesting so i've got the anti-aging hand serum which is the most superb product and if i hand it to anybody the first thing they do is rub their hands together forcibly you know backwards and mm. forwards as quickly as they can and i just say hang on a minute if i gave you a serum for your face what do you do you pat it on mm. really slowly and so i've taught people to start to do that because actually at the moment the biggest beauty issue of our time is hands yeah and the aging hands so we've I've got products that address the um, hydration issues the tissue structures the laxity in the tissues and the age spots and the products really work so all about that. So it's about products that are going to work. We use them in the spa industry as well with our manicures and pedicures. So, is that, so it's anti-aging for the hands. Yeah,
1: is that the starting point for any kind of progression? Is just kind of what what do I feel that we need next?
2: Yeah, I think so. I'm just really giving for me for expert hands and feet. It makes sense. At hands are extremities. They've mm. got nails on them. We do that. We use them. We treat them in the in the clinics. And actually, the word pod for, from podiatry. Um, relates to hands and feet if you go back to the latin term Mm -hmm. it relates to hands and feet and so it's a natural progression and also one that i feel is big gap in the market again
1: yeah Mm. um actually i've got to ask you this because somebody a little bird told me that when you ran one of your marathons did you lose a toenail
2: i did <laughs> yeah i've got actually i've got a, even a bruised toenail now on my, on my second is, toe. is mm.
1: it from bad
2: shoes and long mm. toenails? do you know what it is um, if you wear your, your your socks a bit too tight short shoes should be at least half size bigger because your feet are going to swell if you're doing long distances um your nails should be cut so they're not overhanging and actually i had i remember thinking my feet looked gorgeous and they were painted and they looked great and so i didn't stupidly thought they'll be fine and actually my toe now my toe my right foot actually was pounding and pounding and i knew whole marathon and so yeah yes so it and I remember at the end, you know, when you go and you have a massage or whatever it is that's provided by the charity you're running for, I remember just having to hang my feet over the end of um, of the couch and <laughs> say, please don't touch my feet, which is quite interesting as well. Also, it's strange because I'm fair-skinned um, and I, I'm a Piscean and it always seems to me, I never stop moving my feet. When I'm in bed at night, if I'm sitting, mm. if you ever catch me on a sun lounge my feet are always moving, and I always think that, somehow it's about being Piscean is is the fish isn't it mm. i always wonder if it's related and also fair skin is much more sensitive than darker skin because darker skin's got thicker tissues mm. um and so i so my feet are really sensitive massively sensitive and so it kind of it, i think of all these reasons this is why i went into feet Wow. Mm, it's funny, isn't it? It sounds kind of deep, but I wonder about that.
1: So you treat... So because of your sensitivity, you treat other people?
2: Mm, exactly. exactly. I recognise it. I see it. I can feel it. And it's interesting. You have two people with exactly the same condition of, a, of their fate. One person is blighting their life, and the other person not really bothered and actually as a foot specialist you need to get into these people's head you need to recognize who is upset by it who does need help Mm. it's not for me to think oh gosh you're just making a fuss actually if that's a real concern for someone help them understand them and and deal with it it's it's quite um that's where I find it really um, I think I think that's one thing I would find from people in generally i think the lack of compassion that's coming through is something that i really feel whether it's in you know from medical people or just generally in the community Mm. and i think that's something that i really feel deeply when i'm treating patients
1: you just really try to get to know them
2: yeah i think that they'll tell you things without telling you and it's Mm. for you to kind of understand it and you know and help them
1: It was interesting when you encounter anybody, If say you encounter someone for the first time and you're telling a friend how you felt about them. um, I've noticed quite a lot recently people being quite um, uh, in awe of people. They say, she's just really intuitive. She just really knew what I was going to say. And we put so much value on that. Mm. But we're not always that great at practising it. I don't know whether it's...
2: No, I think um, I have a feel... I mean, meet lots of people, but I have a feel... I think I have a feel and maybe it's funny how many times you think about something. I'm sure you've done it and then it happens, mm. happens to me all the time. And or you just know something's going to happen. You just know. And, and it does. And I think it's just ha- being intuitive and being, you know, being alert, I think. Yeah. Mm.
1: What I find quite interesting is a few uh, therapists, uh, particularly massage therapists, have actually told me in the past that they're very good at it, at picking up on people's energy, and which makes their treatments yes. that much more... Um, personalized but that they've actually had to train over the years to block it a little bit because they can pick up the emotions exhausting yeah Yeah. I've heard heard that
2: um not maybe I I think it doesn't matter what's thrown at me I just keep going which isn't great yeah but um not necessarily but I do I am I am intuitive and I am I don't think I'm, maybe other people are exhausted around me. I think that might be the way it is, which isn't a great thing to admit.
1: <laughs> interesting, okay. Mm-hmm. But in your treatments particularly, it's it's a different kind of intuition. Than- yeah,
2: it is. It It's a feel. And also, I think you need, if you're going to do my job, you need to be able to embrace a foot. And it's really interesting when I um, interview people um, for, a, for a job as a podiatry role, um, and the first thing I do is, get them to i watch them or i or they have to treat me and you know if somebody isn't embracing a foot properly with two hands and really holding it if they're just you know holding it with two fingers because actually they don't really like it you know yeah a (laughs) bit me or a bit you know not really what they want Mm. then they're the wrong person you need someone that's really going to embrace take it hold it properly and deal with it properly Hmm. Mm. i'm
1: fascinated now
2: i suppose it's the same as people if you get a hairdresser you get hairdressers and hairdressers and some of them you will feel when they brush your hair when they hold you you know that yeah. they've really got good other people it feels weak or not not so embracing it and it's sweet. the same mm.
1: what do you think it needs to take for people for the, the feet particularly to kind of get a bit more attention you know for massages not to stop at the ankles and
2: things. Mm. well a lot of people now yoga has brought feet into the forefront as well because mm. feet are on display and also there are yoga moves um now to help the you know the laxity and, and the muscle structures the soft tissues mm. of the foot which is a great help and um, i think that footwear done a lot to bring feet into the beauty arena and we see a lot of people around us you know celebrities and what have you with you know their feet and their bare feet and their footwear is often mm. photographed and, mm. you know, never more than in the last week. Um, yeah, you know, people can't get away with revealing. I think it's a shame that that people can maybe be, you know, people in, in the public eye can be photographed in a way that's detrimental mm. to, you know, it's not doing anyone any favours being, you yeah. know. Yeah, no. So it's,
1: not, it's, it's just um, got to... Trash
2: or whatever, whatever they like to I say. I think so. I don't get it. Yeah.
1: No. Mm. Um, in and amongst having uh, a, running a business, mm. which you're obviously incredibly passionate about, oh, and working yeah. all hours that God mm. sends, when we spoke yesterday, we were talking. Both of us just go, oh, "How come is it? How come the year is going so quickly?" And just talking mm. about time mm. passing, mm. how do you make sure that you stop and smell the
2: roses? Yeah, it's really interesting because you can find that you're not living for the now and it's that's a really good point um I think for me because I so passionately enjoy what I'm doing Mm. and you know my brand is doing well but it's you know everything I'm doing is to build it so it's you know I'm not in a business where I'm taking loads of holidays and taking loads of money I still probably the only one in my business that doesn't get any money mm. because we're still putting it back into the business it's what it's what you're growing mm. and what you're trying to achieve um, so I think because I enjoy it so much and the thing about me is I'm really really serious or I'm completely balmy which, isn't, <laughs> which is that a Piscean trait? <laughs> I, I don't know but which is fun. but it's fun in a business because do you know we all work hard but gosh there's great celebrations when something good happens we do well and I love to embrace I mean what we do every year and it's just about to happen now it's usually in March or April as we have fish and chip and champagne evening and you know it started off so all the clinics and it started off that we, you know there'd be six or seven of us we're now at 50 and yes. so it's a lot of fish and chips and a lot of <laughs> champagne <laughs> so but it's one of our most enjoyable evenings yeah oh really God, good fun so cool.
1: yeah. well actually we've got to talk about that because um, it started off with one clinic, mm. and now how many do you have in Central London? We, we've
2: got the, uh, three in Central London, one in Dubai, one in Cheltenham. We're just about to open in Audley Edge in Manchester, and one. <gasps> Real
1: housewives of Cheshire, yeah, to get them in.
2: absolutely. I think we'll be there. I'm sorry, I'm obsessed uh, with that show. Somebody else said that to me yesterday, and the other one in Harrogate in Yorkshire in a couple of months' time. So it's international it's with of, Dubai. Mm, how did that? Mm. How did the move to Dubai happen? Well, it's really interesting because. I had moved out of consulting rooms into to give more visibility and accessibility into the just off Marley Bend High Street. Hadn't done that very long, and the new managing director of Liberty was walking past. I got an email from Liberty saying, "Could you come and see us?" That's how that happened. And interestingly, there, were a, there was a business that was opening in Dubai um, called Level Shoe District, and they were opening the biggest shoe emporium in the world um, in Dubai Mal. and they were they were looking for uh, British shoe brands and they were, they went to Liberty to look for them which of course you would mm. um and they saw my clinic took a photograph of it and then a little while later they apparently saw my product somewhere took a photo of that and then approached me and I was really busy we'd rebranded the products we had opened the clinic in Marleybone when Liberty approached me to open their you know the timing was never going to be right but you would never not do that it's such a great opportunity and so I was really up to my eyes in it and they approached me and I said no thank you and they came (laughs) back and they said please and I and they showed me this whole presentation again and I again said no thank you you know and just said really busy and then they came back and said can you tell us what we need to do for you to do this and, oh, what a yeah. lovely position to be in. I know. And they're great, great business partners, actually. Really great working with them. So my team, my podiatrist from London, three guys that were in London with me, um, went there. And they're still there, actually. So um, so it's going really well. And we obviously have locals as well and lots of people. Yeah. Uh, so it's going really well. And they're great people to be working with. Wow. It gives us... You know the amount of people that have seen us there, that have approached us, having be, having had a treatment there or seen us positioned there. So it's great for the Asia part of the world.
1: And what about somewhere like America? I feel like you're you need to have a canopied yeah, true boutique salon clinic. We do, in don't Hollywood.
2: we? We are just launching there. We have got our formal launch in America on starting second to the fifth of May so we've got a distributor there that's just starting up and yep so I've got to travel there I think I've got two shows on the 1st of May with QVC I've got to rush there on this to be I fly on the 1st to get there for the 2nd and I'm back <laughs> on something like the 5th to be in London on the 6th so but it'd be great but you wouldn't have it any
1: other way would you no not really <laughs> and please tell me when you're traveling like that because you travel a lot a fair bit now. I am fascinated by what um, people pack because I think the more you travel, the savvier you get. And you, mm. For example, I will not go on a plane without three litres of water because mm. the jet lag always, at the other end is so much
2: yeah, less. Waters. And I always have a face cream with me that yeah. I just keep putting on because it's so dehydrating, mm. isn't it? Um, and if you can drink water, it will, it will reduce the swelling of the feet and ankles, mm. which happens so often as well. So definitely water. I've always got face cream to pat on my face always which i think is really important i quite like to have um a mask for the eyes if i can yeah because then you can get a little bit more
1: it's amazing how how when you travel these days um how you'll see people wearing the physical masks under yeah. the eyes or even all over the face yeah. because it is so dehydrated yeah. and dry and people don't care anymore they're like S- i'm gonna put it on anyway yeah it's but yeah all those little things do you um so you drink lots of water to avoid jet mm. lag Do you take any vitamins or anything?
2: No, but I try... I generally don't eat on a plane at all. I think that's a good... I mean... Mm. I used to think it was the alcohol, don't drink. (laughs) But I swapped it over so I would have a drink (laughs) to help me sleep. Have a glass, something to help me sleep. Um, And I think it's the food that isn't great for me so I tend, especially if I've got an event to go to at the other end and you know that you you know your outfit's pretty tight before you mm. get there without or you know it just fits you and then you've got to get on a plane so I tend not to eat at all on a plane
1: I think it's high sodium because it's all quite that's what people style. tell
2: me mm. yeah
1: and also you're sitting down you don't get up after There's you no eat and I think of, that's,
2: yeah. yeah yeah probably that so yeah I rarely eat
1: even if I'm lucky
2: enough to travel in a better class um, I don't eat
1: Oh, ah, that's mm. a good tip. Mm. And if you're on a night flight, do you just
2: sit down? I usually do closed. a few hours. Everyone knows when I've landed because all the emails hit off. Although now, on the, if I go to Dubai, the Emirates flights now have got all the... Uh, you've got internet oh, on there. Still. Oh, Wi-Fi. Oh. Um, but everybody knows when I've landed. Everybody's on. No. Because <laughs> all my emails hit off. So I try to get emails um, sorted, also get things filed. Mm. So I use... Time I always use the time wisely. Wow,
1: gosh, you're <laughs> much more productive than me. I'm like, film, what films are on? But I'm a, I'm a bit obsessed with film, so that's why. Um, how many products do we have now, and how many products mm. are, are you constantly developing?
2: I am constantly developing, but I'm only developing in order to meet. My needs, mm-hmm. um, so I'm not developing for the sake, for need's sake. Just developed a powder, foot powder that's going to launch at the beginning of May, Ooh. which is great for anyone with um, hygiene issues um, of the feet and nails, um, and that again people have been requesting that. And actually, I've just launched, um, just launching now as well at the same time, foot wipes. And interestingly, I got a message from my clinic saying, Oh, Nigella Lawson said, please could you do some foot wipes that she likes to walk, walk barefoot. And it'd be great if she could have some specific specific foot wipes and i haven't told her yet you're the first one i've told actually outside of the business that i've made them for her oh. We am tell her anytime soon since i've got my sample so and it was literally her saying please could you somebody ask margaret Dabbs to make some so they're great wipes and they're they've also they've got the antibacterial aspects as, aspects and they'll clean the foot but also they've got moisturization in them so nice. yeah because you know what it's like living in the city as well if you wear sandals your feet are black, aren't they? It is gross. Mm. It is really, yeah, it gross. really is. That's where the um, got exfoliating foot mousse is brilliant because Expo- it will get in. Ex- what Exfoliating now? foot mousse, which is brilliant. There's grand tea tree and pumice, but infused with the emu oil. So the thing I find I love wearing sandals in the summer, but your feet can get black and in the ingrained. And for anybody, a little bit of advice: if anybody sh- uh, showers rather than baths, which is what most of us mm. do now, pop. Um, I usually pop a bottle of shampoo or something over the drain, so the water can't drain away. Let it build up a bit, and then you've got kind of a foot bath. And usually, I pump my foot, my foot soak into it. So you've got again, it's great for moisturisation, but it's also really brilliant for a swelling and inflammation. But it's great; it means that when you when you get out the shower, your feet are moisturised as well. So. Oh, mm. and, it, and it gets tip. them cleaner, it means that your toenails are going to be... You know, you're just in a kind of foot bath while you're showering.
1: Yeah, I mean, if any of the listeners go onto my Twitter, they'll know that I, I don't do it so much anymore, but I used to have a, a Sunday night ritual, which is I'd watch Homeland and do my pedicure. Yeah. You'd think, But um, one of the greatest joys of that is going round the nails,
2: mm. especially
1: in the summer, because yeah. London yeah, living get, is really,
2: just... I think also with a pedicure, it really makes a difference. You can see results that you can't see from any other treatment. Mm. So the right... Um, you know with the right products you can go you know really makes a difference
1: exfoliate okay explain this to me i've never heard of an
2: exfoliating mousse that's yeah it's that's just really the texture of it it's a brilliant well when you think of it when you use a foot file you use it on hard skin and callus Mm. so you can't use that on the rest of the foot Mm. you're just attacking areas of hard skin and callus um So the foot mousse is brilliant for people that have got finer skin. Maybe they've got skin that's a bit scaly Mm. under the arch of the foot, on the toes, between the toes. And also for discoloured nails. So it's brilliant. And you can see immediately the illumination of the skin when you use that. You use it over the the whole of the foot. Yeah, it really makes a difference. And it's infusing with oil at the same time. Makes sense, doesn't it? We exfoliate every other part of the body
1: yeah you're so right you were mm. so right now I do want to ask you about fungal nails <laughs> that sexy topic yeah <laughs> that everyone loves so because um and actually I got a press release the other day sent through to my email about it and they were talking about a uh, four four stages of laser treatment that would require four mm. different visits mm. to a mm. salon etc etc mm. and I just thought god it mm. really does seem if you get one you're stuck with it mm. Are you
2: stuck with a fungal nail? Well, you used to be. The thing is, the fungal nail is systemic, so it's in the body system. Um, And they used to only be topical applications, well, topical applications generally don't work, but they used to be... um, tablets by mouth so you, mm. you can still take them but then people now are reluctant to take things that are going through the body that are t- reluctant to take medication and that could affect of... the liver as well so you, yeah. you know we always set people with liver function tests first but we do pathology testing using the nail and and the um skin surrounding mm. skin um and we have a dedicated nail laser um, specifically for fungal nails. And it's quite interesting because I think they say now it's about 9% of the population, which is quite high. I would Really, really. Wow. Yeah, now I think, well, when you think of the population percentage, of, the trouble is getting rid of it. Mm. You know, if you've got 9% of the population with it all the time, it's quite a big, yeah. you know, it's quite yes, a big right. number like that. But... um the amount of people that think they have a fungal nail, that they'll go to a beauty salon for a pedicure and they'll be told it. And actually, you know, it could be migrating fake tan or it could just be a nail that you've damaged or kicked, mm. you know, when you've done something. So they're not all fungal nails, so don't be too short. But actually, one fungal nail can lead, you know, people think, well, why do I have to treat it? But actually, it can lead to the other nails becoming mm. contaminated. But also, it can lead to the skin. So you sometimes think if the skin is, if you've got a fungal condition of the skin, is it skin affecting the nail? is it the nail effects Mm. in the skin so you need really to treat them all um, because it is something that's easily spread
1: and if I think I've got one like you say you can have Mm. you can go to abuse and say well that one's uh, got a fungal infection but it might not have Who will tell you, hands down, for sure, whether you do
2: or you don't? You would do fungal studies, which you wouldn't get in a beauty salon. So, for example, we do Mm -hmm. um, fungal studies, and you have it under microscope, and then they send it to culture. So we we team with the lab to make sure that we do that. And you can have false negatives. Um, You'll never have a false positive. It's positive, it's positive. Mm -hmm. And what we do for a lot of people, um, you can treat with the nail laser, to improve the the texture and the color of the nail mm-hmm. anyway so people will usually want to go ahead with it for that reason
1: oh just to yeah, improve the yeah, look of it just like
2: teeth isn't it ah. mm.
1: so but what about a gp or would i be like... a
2: gp can do the fungal studies certainly okay. yep they can do that
1: but it's not as simple as a sight test so to speak like it would be about actually having... Yeah, you
2: have to send the any skin scraping it's just like a normal skin scraping send it away and have it cultured
1: oh okay that's really interesting Mm. because I thought that I had a fungal nail infection so I just went to the chemist and
2: bought a topical pen yeah the trouble with that yeah and they don't really work but the trouble also is that a lot of remedies are tea tree based but tea tree stains yellow so it's a a vicious circle you think that you're not if you use um, neat tea tree it's got a yellowing stain and so Mm.
1: and while we have your foot care expertise Mm -hmm. on tap um let's talk about and people will be listening to this podcast at all times of the year but we're about to go into Mm. it's a blistering hot day today it's probably the hottest
0: this year so far it's
1: 17 degrees and the sun is beating down um it's sandal weather Mm. hard skin and cracks in the feet and those Mm. sorts of things what's the best
2: way to treat those okay um there's a difference people get confused hard skin dry skin which is really interesting Mm. hard skin is layers of build up of hard skin dry skin is just that dehydrated Mm. skin you can have layers thick layers of callous skin that's dehydrated so you can have the two together Um, thicker skin callous skin is more likely to with pressure on it will build cracks that become Mm. very deep you can get a thin foot that's dehydrated that will get cracks. Um, you need a foot file always on dry skin. And people always say to me, everybody thinks that they need to do it in the bath or do it wet. Mm. Absolutely not. And the reason being is if you wet the foot, first of all, it masks the area to be treated, which makes sense, doesn't it? Mm. You can't see that, which you yes. can't see dehydration, you can't see the thickness. Um, a foot file won't adhere as well to a wet foot. Um, that's another thing. And also, the other thing is if you bathe the foot, and you're used to cracks you, you mentioned you had a crack you're more likely you're weakening the tissues mm. it's more likely when your foot folds that that crack will open mm. so always do it on dry skin i like best thing in the morning first thing before you've had any products on your feet and before you the feet have got into a you know moisture from sweating or perspiration mm. is the best way to do it um reduce down the colors you're less likely to get cracks in it and also moisturization and um is more easily absorbed into the skin if you can get rid of some of those thickened layers
1: yeah and it is like you say you wouldn't exfoliate your face and not put a no
2: moisturizer i know and you wouldn't put a serum on and not put a moisturizer on top it's exactly yeah exactly the same and your hair your nails for example your hair what happens when your hair gets brittle you use treatment products you use moisture mm-hmm. on the ends of it what do we do with our nails ignore not know what to do with them yeah so really important yeah
1: Um, If you could get everybody who listens to this podcast to do one thing to look after their feet, what would it be?
2: Moisturise with a foot moisturiser. Not a body moisturiser. Not a body moisturiser. Why not a body moisturiser? Okay, Okay. because your skin of your feet is 12 times thicker. Um, And proper foot product. My foot product is, is formulated to go into the skin of the feet okay rather than just sit on top a body lotion won't be able to penetrate and you'll end up with a greasy it's half the reason people don't use a foot product mm. is one they say nothing they've tried everything nothing works second is don't want greasy feet and i've got around all of that because we've got a formulation that absorbs into the skin and is treating at the same time oh
1: okay mm. so all the times i put yeah. my body lotion like over the top of my feet and just a little yeah. bit underneath there's no, no And
2: then what do you do you work, you stand on the towel and wipe it off don't you probably yeah and you like wouldn't that. put i always say would you use body lotion on your face and the answer is no if you don't use it on your face why would you use it we
1: so you do have to treat our feet as vips on mm. our hands
2: yeah and also we use different products on our hair don't yeah. we
1: so mm. so moisturizing so there
2: you go mm. top tip daily yeah. because also the right moisturizer my foot lotion for example um helps to slow and prevent hard skin build up so if you imagine if your skin gets harder and harder as you're walking on it the cells don't know what to do and, it, and the result is that they keep there's proliferation of the cells they keep mm. renewing themselves because they're being pressed on yeah and it, it's hard so of course if you can reduce them down keep them softened they're not going to um they're not going to respond in the same way and they're not going to multiply in the same way so yeah. it makes sense doesn't it
1: and if you do have a build-up of hard
2: skin you do get that like tickle what mm. is that Is that when, I think that's just when you you can't get to the tickle, can you? Because you've got thickened skin. So it's just a normal tickle, but it's because you can't, you're feeling it. It's like a paresthesia, almost, like a a funny feeling because you can't get in and scratch it because you've got thickened skin over it. And if you can have tickling and what have you, if you've got um, other skin conditions, of course, Mm. but generally you can't get to it because you've got thickened skin over it. (laughs)
1: these are amazing tips um and you say that you have I mean this is going out imminently in April mm. 2016 but you're on QVC and we'll put all the links mm. to that we'll also put the links thank to Margaret's website oh, thank you and all of her international and ever-growing locations mm. thank you thank you so much for being oh, a guest on the beauty podcast with energy you. it's been so educational oh thank you I hope it wasn't too boring I didn't come across too passionately about feet I I was hanging on every word and I'm now going to look after my feet properly oh. I'm sure <laughs> you. the listeners will do too so thank, thank, you. thank you very much and we'll see you time next time. Thank you.
0: song.